0: on local now channel 525
1: as you read to the gospels matthew mark luke and john you're just reading the bible you're going to meet jesus up close and personal and you're going to start to understand why he came he came to reach the lost he uses any and all methods he'll disciple 12 for three and a half years he'll send out the 72 he travels with the masses and he will reach someone on a one-on-one basis He uses any and all. If you want to know about Jesus, just read those four Gospels. And let me tell you, you're going to meet Jesus up close and personal.
0: Good evening and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. If you've been searching for a place to be spiritually fed, you've found it. Like you, we believe the Holy Bible contains the spiritual nourishment we need to become faithful servants to God and help grow His kingdom here on earth. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us tonight.
1: Oh, look at this. Look at this incredible crowd. Wow. Wow. Last week, we concluded the message with the thought that while you were sleeping, which means you weren't even paying attention, that God kissed you three times. How many of you were blessed with that thought? You were blessed with that thought. He kissed you when he created you, when you weren't even around. He kissed you at the cross when he allowed Jesus to die. And right now he's kissing you when he's preparing your heavenly home. And whenever God does everything he can possibly do to reach you, to save you, we call that salvation, or we call that evangelism, God doing everything in his power just to reach you. We're in a series called Anchored, and we're looking at eight things that happen to you. If you will... Anchor yourself in the Word of God. Today is the letter E, and that is that if you anchor yourself to the Word of God, something happens to you, evangelism becomes the burden of your heart. And how that works is as you read through the Word of God, all of a sudden you start to become concerned about the things that God is concerned about. As God does everything in his power to reach the lost, you begin to read the word of God. Guess what? All of a sudden, you begin to do everything in your power to see the lost get saved. Turn to Romans chapter 10. I want to start with verse 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. Saved. Okay, now go down to verse 13. The Bible says, for everyone... Who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Amen. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. Now then we're going to read two verses, and in these two verses are four questions. He has four questions, back to back to back to back, and then he makes a statement. And at the end of every one of these questions, or we're going to read all four, I want you to say two words. And the two words are they can't. All right? Verse 14, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they've not heard? They, can. they can't. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? They and how can they preach unless they are sent? They, can. they can't. And then we have this statement. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Amen. You know, feet, feet aren't very good looking. <laughs> Even after you doctor them all up, there's still not much to look at. If you want to have a beautiful feet, it talks about the feet that are beautiful are the feet that are being used to take the gospel to other people. My question is this. Are your feet beautiful? Not in the physical cosmetic sense, but in the spiritual evangelism sense. Are you actively involved in sharing the gospel? Can you look back over the last seven days? Can you think of a time that you were engaged in talking to someone about Jesus Christ? Are you involved in spreading the good news? Are you sending either prayer support or financial support? I'm going to show you as we read, as we journal, as we preach, as we study, there's four things as you go through God's Word that you will see. Number one, write this down. You will see the curse. That's where it all begins. Back there in Genesis 3, the story of creation, Adam and Eve. And God said, you could eat from any tree except the one tree in the middle of the garden. In Genesis 3 and 4 and 5, we discover the story of how quickly Adam and Eve sinned and therefore ushered sin into this world. And by the time you get to Genesis chapter 6, God was so grieved that he had made man. The Bible says that every inclination of his thoughts, of his heart, was only evil all the time. It is not a stretch to think that we're getting right back to that level of sin today in our world. It's no wonder, really, the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that we have all sinned, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us, we've all sinned. We live in a fallen world. Psalm chapter 51 tells you how bad it is. It says, Surely, I, I'm th- trying to think back when I started sinning. He said, I've been sinful since the day I was born. Well, let me go back even further. I've been sinful since the moment my mother conceived me. What he was saying is that I was born with a propensity to sin. That's one reason why we have so many rules. Do you know there's so many laws in the federal government that we can't even count them? Do you know that people have actually tried to count? You can do research on this. People have tried to count how many federal laws there are. They say there's as many as 300,000, but we can't count them because we keep making more and more laws. You know, we want this separation of church and state, but then they continue to legislate us and control us with some 300,000 laws. Now, why do they keep putting these laws and restrictions on us? Why do they do that? Because all of us, we live with what's called a sin curse and a death curse. And you can circle those two words in your outline. We have a curse of sin, which leads to a curse of death. The Bible says in Romans 6, I'll put it on the screen, that the wages of sin, the penalty of sin is death. We've all sinned, and the wages of that sin is death. I love the way Romans puts it in Romans 5. I'm sure you've read this, but here's how how it's worded. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin in that way, Death came to all men because all of us have sinned. I want everyone to say, oh, no. Oh, Oh, yes, we have. (laughs) We have a sin problem. Romans 3.10 says, there are none who are righteous, no, not one. And as you read through the Bible, you see you start to learn about sin. You see that sin is what sends someone to hell. Sin separates us eternally from, from God. But I have some good news. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says that in him, Jesus, we have this thing called redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace and all God's people said. And that leads us to the second thing that you see as you read through the Bible. The first thing that you see and you discover is is this, this curse of sin and death. But the second thing, and this is why the Bible was put together, is that you would see Christ. Now, in your Bible, you have two Testaments. You have the Old Testament and you have the New Testament. The Old Testament has 39 books. The New Testament has 27. I want you to know that all of those Old Testament books, there are 39 of them, that all 39 of them point to the Christ. They point to the Messiah. Every book points to this truth. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. 39 times. He's coming. Get ready. He's coming. Get ready. He's coming. The Messiah. Get ready. He's coming. 39 times. 39 books. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And then you come to the New Testament. And guess what? He arrives. He's here. Now, as you read through, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we learned uh, the, all four of those guys, they all wrote a book. They all wrote a biography. M- Matthew wrote a book. Mark wrote a book. Luke, Luke wrote a book. John wrote a book. And they all wrote about the life of Jesus Christ. We learned in the Bible exhibit, uh, when they were deciding which 27 books belonged in the canon, they belonged in the New Testament, the, part of the criteria was whether, whether you got in, was whether or not you were an eyewitness. You had to be an eyewitness to, to the things and to the days of Christ. And so Matthew was an eyewitness, Mark, Mark was an eyewitness, Luke and John, or their book would not have been included in the 27. All four guys wrote the same story from four different perspectives. Now I start with a star because that, that's the star that represents the birth of Christ because of the star that led the wise men to, to where Christ was born, to, to, the, to the Christ child. And then Jesus lived on earth for 33 years. At the end of that 33 years, he dies, he's buried, three days later he resurrects, he stays on earth for about 40 days, and at the end of that chart he ascends. It's called the ascension, he goes back into heaven. So, as you read through the Gospels, read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're gonna see these four different guys writing about the birth, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. Now, there are three things that stand out as you read through those four Gospels. The first one is this. You'll see Jesus up close. You're going to see him up close and personal. I've got a whole box there of all the things you'll see. You'll, see about, you'll read about his birth, his baptism, his temptation, his parables, his teachings, his sermons, his healings, his miracles, his prayers, his holiness, his sinlessness, his innocence, his divinity, his sovereignty, and the fact that he was a part of the Trinity, you see all that when you read through those four books. So if you're here today and you say, well, I I really don't know much about Jesus. If you wanna know about Jesus, just read those four gospels and let me tell you, you're gonna meet Jesus up close and personal. The very last verse of those four books, John chapter 21, verse 25, here's the very last verse of those four books. It says that Jesus did many other things as well. But if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written about Jesus. Can someone say, praise God? God. So as you read the gospels, the first thing you're going to meet is Jesus up close. But the second thing that you'll discover is you're going to find out the calling and the purpose of Jesus. You're going to discover why he came. You might not understand, well, why did, why did God send Jesus into this world? And you read, as you read through the Scriptures, you learn the calling, the the purpose of Jesus. Luke chapter 19.10, it's written out in your outline. It says, for the Son of Man, I want you to circle four words. The first word is the word came. He came. This is why he came. This is why he's here. Second word is the word seek. He came to seek. Just circle that. Circle the word came. Circle the word seek. The third word is the word save. He came to seek and to save and the last word is the word lost he came to seek and to save the lost that's his entire purpose that's why Jesus Christ came to this earth was to seek and to save the lost that's why he came now as you read through you're going to see that Christ had this desire to see all people get saved and he used different what I call different methods and I I want I want to talk about this for just a moment The first is what's called the discipling of the 12. Everyone say the number 12. We read about this in Luke chapter 6. I'll put it on the screen. It says, when the morning came, he, Jesus, called his disciples to him, and he chose, he selected, he picked. The Bible says he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated as apostles. And you can read the next few verses, 14, 15, and 16. They actually give you their names. And what Jesus did, he he called these 12 guys. He poured into their lives for three and a half years. He mentored these 12 guys. I call this life group on steroids is what that is. And, you know, we, we all have life groups and and we're lucky if we can get you to go one hour a week this is not an hour a week or two hours a week or even three hours a week jesus was with these guys they were together 24 hours a day seven days a week uh, they that for three and a half years part of the way jesus was going to win the loss was by discipling these 12 guys because he knew that when he left then those 12 guys would carry on his mission all right now the second thing that he i see something else that he did i want you to write this down not only does he, does he disciple the 12, the Bible says that he sends out a group of 72. And this is different than the 12. Yes, he did the 12. I got you, I got you. I know that, I know that, I know that. But he also, he sends out the 72. L- look, look there at Luke chapter 10, verse 1. It says that God appointed 72 what's the next word others and he sent them out in groups of two and in, in the very next verse luke 10 verse 2 you can see his prayer and you can you can feel his heart beating and and you get to understand part of his methodology here he told them this is not the 12 he's talking to the 72 he tells them that the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field and the next verse you can look it up Jesus says go it's like a race he says go He actually says that word and so we see he disciples 12 for three and a half years he then sends out 72 those would be called evangelism teams and then number three write this down He also, he speaks to the masses. All right? He's got all kinds of stuff he's doing here. He's got the 12. He's got the 72. He also speaks to the masses because Luke chapter 14, and I don't know if you've recognized this yet, but we're kind of going through the gospel of Luke here. In Luke 14, verse 25, it says that large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning towards them, he said... And the rest of that chapter, Jesus just lays it on the line. He's got this large crowd of people following him. And he starts preaching about you've got to count the cost. You've got to be willing to give up everything to follow me. We would call this today mass evangelism. Mass evangelism. As you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I believe you, if, you, if you read it and you're looking at it, Jesus spends quite a bit of time just dealing with large crowds of people and so what this process is as jesus is trying to reach the lost he disciples the 12 he sends out the 72 he speaks to the masses and there's one more write this down he reaches out to the one he does what we would call one-on-one evangelism I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to Luke chapter 19. Go over to Luke chapter 19. You really see all four in this one text. Because the 12 are with him. They're with him 24-7, right? I mean, wherever Jesus goes, they're with him. Because he's this three-and-a-half-year process, this this discipleship process. And then Jesus, verse 1, he enters Jericho... And of course, don't forget, there are large crowds following with him. So you know the 12 are there. You know that the large crowds are there. He's already sent out to 72. They're out there doing work. Jesus arrives in Jericho and he was passing through. Wasn't going to stop. And there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. Everyone say Zacchaeus. I want you to know he was the chief tax collector, which means he wasn't well liked. But the Bible says he was wealthy. Okay, he had he had some money verse three he Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was but being a short man he could not now what would being short have anything to do with not being able to find Jesus was because there's large crowds of people it's like a golf tournament when they're when they're walking down the fairways there's hundreds you know thousands of people and you're short you got to like run ahead of the crowd and either climb up into a tree or get ahead. So as they come through, and that's exactly what they're doing here. Verse three, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. Now don't forget, he's got 12. He's got, he's already sent out to 72. He's got the masses. But then verse four, Zacchaeus runs ahead and climbs up into a sycamore tree to see the Lord since Jesus was coming that way. Verse five, when Jesus reached the spot he looked up and said to him Zacchaeus come down immediately I must stay at your house today you see all you see all this he's got the 12 he's already sent out to 72 he's speaking to the masses and yet he stops and he looks how would you like to have Jesus look up at you and say hey I'm coming over to your house tonight how cool would that be So verse 6, Zacchaeus, he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. Verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter. There's always people complaining. He had gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus, verse 8, stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus, verse 9, said to them, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. And here's this verse again, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And here's my point. As you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're just reading the Bible. You're going to meet Jesus up close and personal. And you're going to start to understand why he came. He came to reach the lost. He uses any and all methods. He'll disciple 12 for three and a half years. He'll send out the 72. He travels with the masses, and he will reach someone on a one-on-one basis. He uses any and all. Not only will you see Jesus close up and his calling, but you also see what's called Calvary. You actually read, as you read, you read about Jesus up on that cross.
0: If you were blessed by Pastor Dudley's message and would like to pray with someone, our phone lines are available now and ready for your call. Our number is easy to remember. Call us right now at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. Our Lift Up Jesus phone counselors are ready for any prayer needs you may have at this time. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. We know as Christians, our relationship with Jesus is a daily commitment and not just something we do on the weekends. We believe we have the perfect gift today to help you maintain your daily connection to our Lord for the coming year. Romancing Royalty is a daily devotional book designed to draw you closer to King Jesus with 365 inspirational stories, scriptures, prayers, study questions, and even a place to journal. There are more than 100 contributors to this book, including Greg Laurie, the late John Wooden, Tony Campolo, Jack Hayford, Raul Rees, and Jim Garlow, just to name a few. We know this daily devotional will be a blessing to you. It also makes the perfect holiday gift for a friend or loved one. Pastor Dudley's top-selling daily devotional, Romancing Royalty, is available right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Romancing Royalty can be yours by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. Our number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order Romancing Royalty directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. We know there are many daily devotionals available today, but none come close to the level of insightful contributors to this book. It's our most popular seller this time of year. So we invite you to call and get your copy of Pastor Dudley's daily devotional, Romancing Royalty, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at the same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.